Alright, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Oh my god, I smell shenanigan! I have no idea what's going on, but I am excited! Yeah, baby, yeah! Ooh, ever dance with the devil in the bed? Inconceivable! Cowabunga. I thought this was a party! It's two Nerfskis and a podcast. With Eric and Jeff. some good shit right there <laughs> all right well uh thank you for that lovely introduction and those are indeed lines spoken in dawn of the dead but first of all folks welcome welcome to another fine installment of two nerds in a podcast where two nerds come together and talk about everything pop culture and entertainment of course as always i'm eric one of your nerds and i'm jeff and welcome once again to horror month at two nerdskis at a podcast we're all month we're all month long of course we're talking about everything horror and horror and horror and horror it's pretty much everything in the horror genre if you will so last two episodes we talked about halloween the original and of course the soft reboot if you will the 2018 one and um i'm not sure um if we'll come back to Halloween. Oh, yeah, we are. We are. We're going to be talking about Halloween kills at some point. But anyways, we're moving on past that. We will return. But now it's time to talk about some other franchises. And so, Jeff, I'm going to start this off with you because this is our first foray into the works of one George A. Romero. Would you like to please enlighten the audience on George Romero? If you at all are fond of the zombie genre you owe everything to george a romero the most well-known zombie archetype came from the brain of george romero all you have to do is go back to the original night of the living dead which should not be hard because that movie's public domain and one of the most widely distri- uh, distributed movies ever but that's the movie that introduced what what we commonly know from the zombie genre. You know, you gotta uh, you gotta remove uh, remove the head or uh, smash the brain to to kill him. You need to if you get bit by one, you turn into one. Uh, sometimes they move faster, or sometimes they move slower. Typically, in Romero movies, they're slower. And the original Night of the Living Dead is what really kicked off this this uh crazy popular subgenre and it took a little longer for it to really get into full swing uh honestly not until after dawn of the dead i want to say is when uh was was when the zombie subgenre really started to kick off a lot more uh because there was a whole line of unrelated sequels to dawn of the dead uh simply called zombie and they made prop uh, they were primarily produced in Italy, I believe, and they essentially, I think a couple of them actually had zombies, and then, I don't know, it, it got fucking weird, man. Uh, 
But anyway, uh, George A. Romero is what or is who really gave us zombies as we know them today. And maybe at some point we'll talk about the original Night of the Living Dead. But today, really want to talk about Dawn because this movie, this movie itself holds uh, quite a significant place in horror history. And honestly, it has probably some of the most brilliant concepts ever implemented in an into a zombie movie. And so we'll definitely get into that. But Eric, what before uh, seeing this for what I assume was your first time, what was your preconceived notions of this movie or of any uh, or of Romero zombie movies in general? Okay, so um, in terms of Romero, I mean, I, 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 I had heard of Night of the, uh, Night of the Living Dead before. Um, never, I haven't seen, that's not true. I have seen snippets of it here and there. Um, what I always remembered of uh, George Romero, and I was like, the guy had balls to do this at the time. A le- the leading actor at the time was an African-American man. I forgot what his name is, but like, at the time that was unheard of like a leading your leading star was non-white and uh and uh, actually carried carried the weight of the movie um it's a shame Dwayne what happens i'm sorry his name is Dwayne Jones Dwayne Dwayne Jones thank you it's a shame what happens to his character at the end but um but like still like that was unheard of and also of course uh i remember the classic black and white scene classic black and white moments of um, like the zombies coming down, trying to break into the home to get that human flesh, if you will. And uh, yeah, always, always um, I remember seeing quite a few parodies back in the day. Um, Like there's this Disney channel movie I used to watch um, that, uh, that parody at a scene from night of the living dead. So, I mean like Jeff's right. Like zombies, zombies um have been heavily influenced by romero um i mean i think they've always existed but he really put them on the map i think um because i think zombies are i think they're they come from voodoo i believe i i could be totally mistaken on this um so don't entirely quote me on that but um in terms of his the rest of his work um I mean, the first time I ever heard of Dawn of the Dead was the remake that Zach, that Zack Snyder did uh, back in 2004. And I remember seeing the trailers for it. I just remember that grisly image of that little girl who, like, attacks the couple at the beginning. I'm like, shit! And then, like, seeing zombies and stuff running all over the place. I'm like, is this gonna happen to, is this gonna happen to us? I was like, hey, I was like 11 years old. I didn't know any fucking better. Um... So I didn't really, I I didn't really know at the time, of course, that um, Zach's film was a remake of Romero's film, and I didn't really, I didn't really become more aware of the movie until maybe about, maybe about, let's say maybe five or between five, four, or three years ago, um, I would say. Um, never watched it, but like I always knew that um, it. Like just like the remake, it takes place in a mall, and um, it's as I remembered watch as I watched the movie because I had just finished it about maybe about a half an hour as of this recording. 
um, half an hour ago. Yeah. But um, I remember there was commentary about consumerism and whatnot in there. And I'm like, I can definitely see where the consumerism is um, being made fun of in the film as well. And the commentary of it. And I'm like, huh, that's actually pretty uh, clever. And uh, uh, I was I was surprised to see Tom Savini show up at one point. And oh, like, yeah. and I'm like, huh, I wonder. And I was wondering, like, because so if you don't know who Tom Savini is, he's like very popular um, or very well known, like special effects and makeup artist for a lot of horror films specifically for like. So he did a lot of the he did the makeup stuff for um, and the gore effects for the first Friday the 13th. Um, definitely worked on this film, um, not just an, not just as an actor, um, but also for the makeup. And I was like. I'm not surprised because that's pretty good shit for what they do in this movie. And I um, also remember him as a, um, oh God, I forgot what his, what his character's name is, but like, have you ever seen um, from dust till dawn? He's the guy with a gun on his dick. Oh yeah. <laughs> from dust till dawn's a fucking masterpiece. Oh yeah. It's a fun <laughs> movie. It's a fun. I'm um, surprised we haven't, we're not talking about that, but like, well uh, in due time, in due time. But so yeah. Um, but also, uh, uh, so Tom Savini was actually uh, Romero wanted uh, Savini to do the the makeup effects for night for Night of the Living Dead, but uh, unfortunately Savini had uh, had to go serve in Vietnam. Ah, okay. Because wasn't that movie? I forget when did uh, Night of the Living Dead come out? Was that in the fifties or nineteen sixty eight? Sixty. Okay, so late sixties. Okay. Real. Okay, so huh? Ten yeah, years so afterwards. Interesting. Exactly ten years. Wow, that's pretty. That's I did not realize that uh, until you just brought that up. But. Yeah, and uh, and then uh, or no, I was gonna say Day of the Dead also, but that uh, that came out in '85, so almost, almost. Okay, um, well, that's fair enough. So, but yeah, I never, I I never really um had seen Dawn of the Dead until um until for this and. Uh, um, I'm going to turn it over to you first on your impressions. I'll get to mine, but I'm, I'm very curious about yours. I guess my question I wanted to ask is, so like you said that, you know, you wanted to do this movie first before talking about Night of the Living Dead. So what was it about this one that really that you wanted? To well, yeah. What was it about this one specifically instead of Night of the Living Dead that you chose for horror? So movie? honestly, it, um, it was the production process of Dawn of the Dead, which I, just found really interesting and we'll uh as we continue to talk about the plot i'll i'll uh you know chime in on some random ass trivia but it was really the the point it was made since uh united living dead was very shocking and i think that was uh shortly after night living dead came out that's when the uh, the ratings board uh, the MPAA was officially enacted. So mm. it kind of acted as the first and last gore fest to be given such a wide release to not have any restrictions on attendance. And so that, uh, but it was uh, undeniably a huge hit. And it, um, but because they, uh, I'm not sure the specifics on how it fell into the public domain, but being that it did, that kind of actually allowed the zombie genre to grow as much as it did. 
because you know that was that was the source and the source had no copyright there's no copyright associated with the basic characteristics of how the zombies behaved in Romero's films so anyone could could mimic uh, Romero's Romero's zombies without consequence and I feel like that's why we have so many zombie movies huh <sighs> So then, so then, um, I guess my thoughts then, if we're going to go straight into it then, but, um, so I'm going to be honest with you. Um, so first of all, I do like it. However, I don't know what it was. Maybe I just had some weird expectations for it. I, cause like, I, I'm looking at this and I'm like, I'm expecting some goofy shit in there, but I'm like, I don't know what it was. I was a little bored. I'm not going to lie. Um, really? Yeah, and then, and it's not because of the movie's fault. I think it's just I had expectations, and I was just like, "Oh, well, this isn't what I expected at all." But, but in retrospect, again, it's it's more my fault than the movie's fault. The movie did nothing wrong with this. I was just, again, I think my expectations were just a little because I was expecting a little bit over the top and a little like goofy or whatnot. But no, it actually took itself a little bit more seriously. It's like, huh, did not expect that. It did definitely, I will say, it picked up for me once the bikers came in. Um, and uh, especially after uh, Roger, Roger's like heartfelt kind of like ending, if you will, too. Um, but yeah, I was, I, I, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I mean, I was, I was definitely into it like during the, during the beginning when they first initially all meet and then they get out there and escape. But then towards the middle, I was just like, huh, I don't know what it is, but I'm kind of just like, because I'm having, I'm just like trying to, I'm just trying hard to kind of like stay focused or whatnot. And just, I don't know what it was again. I, I, and I feel really bad because like this, this is good. This is a really good movie, but I just, for whatever reason, I guess my expectations just made it boring, boring for me in that regard. But, you know, when it definitely picked up, it picked up for sure for me. Um, and again, I like every, you know, everyone's experience is different. And like, I, I hate that my experience was like this cause I would want, cause I do want to go back again and try and rewatch this and, and, uh, see how I feel again. But I, I feel like I will not be bored this time because I definitely can probably pick out more things here and there, but, um, yeah, still good, still good. But yeah, that was, that was an odd, that was odd for me that I would, I find myself be bored, but, um, I definitely see where this movie definitely, like I said earlier, it, it, it provides a very satirical portrayal of consumerism and I can definitely see where it comes into play, but yeah, I'm going to turn over to you then in terms of your impressions. Um, and I take it obviously, um, already you, I already know already you love this movie quite a bit. If I'm not mistaken. I mean, like, it's not my personal favorite uh, Romero zombie movie. Okay. uh, Day of the Dead has actually kind of grown grown on me a lot, uh, a lot over the years. But yeah, it actually took me a couple of a couple of watches to for me to initially appreciate this film. And it was primarily based off what, what you said, you know, I. I was kind of expecting something a little more lighthearted, um, you know, like 
like some dark humor maybe. But uh, I was taken aback to how really for the first half of the movie, it plays it completely straight and it throws you immediately into the chaos of the of the situation. You know, it's uh, it doesn't really it doesn't take its time to establish, you know, like, oh, something might be something's wrong with these people. And then word travels of, you know, oh, my God, they're zombies. It doesn't do any of that. It, it's the way or uh, the point in time it places you almost feels like it's been going on for a while. Uh, and society is just on the brink of pure fucking collapse and pretty much every person for themselves. And yeah. that's what's up. No, I sorry, I didn't mean to what were you going to finish? What are you going to say? I mean, I I was just going to say uh you know, with um just the way it really starts out, um uh, you know, you have uh you know, you have that SWAT SWAT team right on on uh on that apartment complex and you know, there's uh some obvious commentary in there and that's when you start to realize that, you know, there's there's a lot more to this movie than uh, than on on the surface, and just the way that uh, you see these, you see people getting gunned down. Uh, primarily, like you know, obviously, like when they're when they're already zombies, uh, it's almost like people are already desensitized by by the violence, and when. Uh, and I, I do have to say that that head explosion was pretty fucking fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, like, it, I mean, like, so I was going to. So what I was going to say is I was I was going to add on to the factor of the whole how uh, kind of how the movie just kind of like opens because because um, I was surprised to see how like everyone's just arguing it like it, eerily enough. It kind of reminds me of what. We're, so if you're still listening, if anyone's listening to this. And if this is a time capsule, we're still currently in a pandemic, if you will. But like, for whatever reason, when I was watching the opening, I'm like, like, there is there's the scientist who's talking or at least the the expert or whatnot who's saying, like, this is a serious matter. and We should all be taking this seriously. And everyone's like, uh, no, everyone's out for themselves. And I'm like, this is eerily familiar <laughs> in real life. I was like, not expecting that. But uh but I guess that is human nature, I guess, when people don't want to like don't want to like listen to the experts and just like do their own thing. Um, and I'm not saying that's that's just been the case for this entire thing. That's the case for like most of history, if you will. So it's not just what's currently going on now. That's that's always been a thing. But um, and then you get to the raid and I'm like, first of all, you get like. You get Roger, who is like, you know, the seasoned cop who's, you know, just there to like, I mean, he clearly, I mean, he doesn't want to be there. He doesn't really want to force everything, but, you know, he kind of has to be there to just to make sure that the racist ass cop <laughs> isn't mowing down people, except for that one part where he does blow up a guy's head with a shotgun. By the way, uh, when I remember seeing the shotgun explosion, I was like, geez, that's some good shit right there. Uh, like. Tom Zavini really went to town on that one. I I wonder how I wonder if they're like they're obviously it's a dummy, right? So I yes. wonder if so uh so basically I think they uh 
So during the uh, in the original ending, it was uh, it was actually supposed to end with uh, uh, with Fran, the uh, the the lead female. Mm-hmm. Uh, originally, she was supposed to die at the end, and they uh, I believe it had something to do with uh, her head getting sliced off by helicopter blades, and so uh. the uh, so the scene was never shot, but they uh, but they still made the the mold for it and. So basically what they did is, uh, you know, they wanted to get this head explosion and then they just had this paper mache head laying around and they basically just darkened the color, put a wig on it. And if uh, if you go by it, uh, if you go by the scene frame by frame, you can see just a little bit of the paper mache head. And they basically filled that with uh, with like a pretty much whatever was laying around at craft services. Yeah, and, I can see that. <laughs> and so then best part tom savini shoots it with a shotgun <laughs> oh that's awesome <laughs> i will say since you and, that, br- and that's why we love tom savini i will say since you did bring up the helicopter blades so one point you know like when they're trying to find fuel for the helicopter right so there's that one zombie that uh steven's about to kill but then like i guess the, i guess because the zombie stands up on some crates and uh got a little too close to the close to the blades and like they're and then so part of its head gets sliced off and that was I'm like great oh, that was what yeah so i'm like because i like because it definitely <laughs> looks like it definitely looks like the guy is standing a little too close to the blades like one one more inch and that guy actually could have died so i'm See, like i i, I love do you know the, how uh, that effect was achieved not with that one specifically but i, I really want to find out because uh, ah. i think there's i think there's some uh documentaries on the uh on the blu-ray that i have okay. so i need I'm, I'm gonna look into that later on but one uh during that sequence actually there was the uh the scene where peter uh ken foray's character where uh he was he made this movie work for me let me just ken say that foray right now. <laughs> is not only is he great in this movie but just in general that man is a fucking legend and i I met him in person at a at a convention uh, a couple years back, and he is a fucking gentleman. And he towered over me. That dude is he's like six five or six six in real life. Yeah, I've heard he's tall. And he's just the most laid back dude I've I've ever met. So remind me, we need to watch From Beyond because I hear that's pretty fucking good. Oh, absolutely. So shout out to Ken Foray. You're awesome, man. And uh, but the the scene where he opens the door and those two zombies oh, yeah. come out. So he actually uh, he didn't know about that scene at first. And he actually went on later to state that that was his most uncomfortable scene to film. And I can I can kind of see where uh, where he's coming from. And if I'm if I'm not mistaken, I believe those kids were played by uh, Tom Savini's nephews. <laughs> so it sounds like his, it sounds like Tom Savini's whole family is just like gung ho. like, we're up for anything, man. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> and uh, but I can definitely I... see how he could be uncomfortable though, just because of the fact that like, like, cause you do see the kids kind of like, it kind of cuts back and forth of like, you know, Peter firing at the kid, at the zombie kids. And, you see them like fall into the ground dead or whatnot. I'm like, you know, I mean, the I, I think the fact that the movie is not afraid to go there. Yeah, because 
if a zombie apocalypse were to break out, the kids are not going to be spared. No. And and so this really does feel like the natural progression uh, in terms of taking the the effects and the violence to the to the next level from Night of the Living Dead. Because Night of the Living Dead was so shocking because, you know, it was the first movie um, of the of its kind to show on camera grotesque scenes of zombies chewing and eating flesh. And and in uh, you know, showing that in black and white, you know, gave a gave it a very creepy effect. But this time showing it in full blown color. And I think they had to uh, they had to get really experimental with the coloring of the blood. And I think that's I think originally uh, Romero wasn't really happy with like the bright red effect of the blood. But mm-hmm. honestly, it. I kind of like it. It uh, it doesn't look the most realistic, but I, I think it kind of gives the movie its own unique identity that way. Well, I mean, yeah, because it's not I mean, you have to remember, this isn't like it's not supposed to be it's not supposed to be realistic. So you can have you can well, play also, a little bit with the liberty. Also, zone. like also the, this this was a very low budget film. Uh, yes, it was like, just like not uh, just like Night of the Living Dead. And it definitely had a larger budget. But still, everything that they were able to do with the restrictions that that they had, it's pretty fucking incredible. Yeah, I'm seeing here. So Night of the Living Dead was made for $114,000 and made $30 So it definitely made a profit. And then when you get to Dawn of the Dead, it was $640,000 and it made $66 So, yeah. So, I mean, like, very successful. that's tremendous. I mean, it is, for, especially, for tremendous, 19, yeah. especially for 1978. It, it reminds me a lot of, um, yeah, especially, especially when you adjust for inflation too. Um, cause it reminds me a lot of, cause we talked about the first Halloween, how that was made for at least what? 300,000. Right. And that, ended up that making, yeah. And it made up and it ended up making about what? 70 something million dollars. Yeah. I think the, the figures have been kind of disputed between 40 to 70 million. Still, that's a much, much higher. Yeah, that is a shit ton of money. That def- that movie definitely made bank. So, yeah, I mean, like, this movie definitely was successful. And, like, I was seeing it because I... It's funny because um, I saw that uh, Roger Ebert definitely gave this movie four out of four. And I'm like, uh, I-, I knew he didn't... I thought he didn't like horror movies. And I'm like, no, he didn't like slashers, but he did like Halloween. So there's... Uh- so whenever uh, Roger Ebert gives a positive review for a horror movie, it's uh, it's always I find I find that really interesting because uh, I think off the top of my head, the only ones he gave like perfect scores to were uh, Jaws, Exorcist, Dawn of the Dead, Halloween, I believe the Blair Witch Project. Um, there was a couple during the eighties. I'm just blank. I'm blanking on what uh, what they were, mm-hmm. but. Uh, I mean, when it came to generic horror movies, like Friday the 13th part five or whatever. Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, and even, uh, even movies that, uh, he doesn't necessarily get into. Sometimes he will give a positive rating to, cause he, uh, he gave a very high rating for uh, West Craven's new nightmare, uh, which was a nightmare in Elm street seven. And I believe he also liked the first scream a lot. 
if, I, if I'm not mistaken. It's been a while right. since I've looked, it's been a while since I've looked at the review, but mm-hmm. yeah, uh, even even if he doesn't like a movie uh, like uh, Elm like Nightmare on Elm Street three, he still praises the production value, and so at least he's able to find some of the positive aspects even in a horror movie that he doesn't like. But yeah, it's I feel like that's just a little bit of a, a kind of a misconception. It. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, that's that's the end of my tangent. Well, no, I mean, in terms of the budget, then, if that in if that's the case, I mean, it definitely shows going back to the effects, like obviously the best effect, one of the best effects, of course, the shotgun head explosion um, seeing like seeing like because um, uh, like so like when the bikers, um, some of the bikers get mauled and eaten by the zombies like just seeing like that that was uh that was actually a real biker gang oh was it really yeah so savini was just part tom savini was just like hey can i join you guys for the shoot yeah so (laughs) so basically so little backstory on the uh, on the filming location so part of part of why i think this movie in its concept is fucking brilliant is when you really think about it a mall is kind of the perfect spot to hide in the zombie apocalypse. And, you know, you got, there's food, there's, yeah. there's space, there's security. And it's, it makes for a really unique location. And when it came to actually filming at that mall, uh, I believe Romero knew, uh, he knew the owner of the mall and, Basically, the the only condition to filming in there was they could only film at night when the mall was closed, and they had to clean everything up before uh, b- before it opened up. So, can you fucking imagine, especially during the climax, the sheer bloodbath that this movie movie becomes, <laughs> having to set up the shots, get the shots, or even like even like applying the makeup and doing the rehearsals and everything. Uh-huh. And then getting the footage you need, and then cleaning it up, because like, like, could you could you imagine, you know, like uh, if you're just a, a casual shopper there, and then you just see like little little like specks of of like fake guts in like a potted plant or something. It's like, oh my god, what the fuck? <laughs> or just like like because all it would take was just like a little bit of blood on on a window because it, like. Like, who knows like how uh like what the how the blood looked before uh you know the before it was like color timed and everything uh-huh. but but yeah i i can't even imagine what it, what it must have been like to be on that set because i guarantee it was like some poor underpaid production assistant um well i mean like all again. right johnny go clean up all those guts <laughs> you got 30 minutes the mo- before the mall opens, now don't fuck it up. <laughs> well, I mean, again, you know, a lot of the gore—I mean, the gore effects are pretty great, especially for this budget. So, like, the, here's what, here's what I mean. Like, going back to earlier, right, um, with the raid on the apartments, right. So when that one woman wants to is trying to prevent the cops, the SWAT team, from shooting her husband, and then her husband just digs into her, and I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. Just seeing that, like the skin oh, get man. ripped off, and I'm like, I mean, that's pretty good shit. So I wonder if like she's wearing, 
I wonder if she's like wearing some like tearaway like uh, makeup or whatnot. Yeah, that, I like, think a- uh, I think it, it was a similar technique to how they did the uh, how they did Kevin Bacon's kill in Friday the Thirteenth, where uh, also in in Friday the Thirteenth, uh, Kevin basically had his head sticking out of the bed, and they uh, they had like a little molded cast kind of starting from his neck and going straight down. And mm-hmm. they would penetrate the arrow through there, and then shoot uh, shoot blood with uh, like through uh, through a little ho- through a little hose, and and so I feel like they that it was kind of similar to what they did with here because I I imagine they made a mold of that uh, actress's shoulder, uh, you know, obviously like loose enough material so that uh, so that the other actor could bite right into it, because mm-hmm. uh, I think if you watch it uh like frame by frame you can kind of see that the makeup skin tones don't perfectly line up but again honestly those are just nitpicks and i kind of like how because i i kind of have the the james rolfe mindset when it comes to to effects is i kind of like seeing how the effect was done because it gets your mind going and kind of invites you into the filmmaking process right? to, to let you know how, how they did this. And, and I think uh, if you're trying to get into the horror genre at all, and if, uh, especially if you're into, into special effects makeup, because I, I can't begin to imagine how many, future or you know current makeup effects artists were inspired by by dawn of the dead you know even in uh dude in uh in day of the dead tom zavini's work gets even better he has more money to work with and this one scene where um it's one of the nastiest fucking kills ever i'm gonna send you that clip later (laughs) uh but it's uh yeah, it's kind of forgot where I was going with this. God damn it! <laughs> well, no, I mean, so I mean, going it, so going back into those gores. Oh well, shit. Even I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> but okay, but because um, what I was gonna say in terms of like just the effects in general, because I was all you know when you're bringing up like Tom Savini and stuff, I was wondering like because going since we mentioned that Tom Savini was a guy who wears a gun for a dick in um, from dust till dawn. It makes me wonder, like, did he also do some, I wonder if he ended up doing some of the makeup stuff too. Cause you mentioned as well, like, you know, with the bigger budgets, it gets a lot better. So I wonder if he ended up doing some of that too. I don't, I don't know if he did, but like, I wouldn't be surprised if he did. So like, so let's put it this way. Like imagine how he made, he would make zombies today versus just, um, just put some like gray, uh, like light skin tone on this guy's right there on his face. Yeah, really, really gray up his face. All right, zombie. <laughs> you want to hear something funny? Yeah, sure. Guess what movie Tom Savini acted in? Um, other than this one and From Dust Till Dawn, trying to think. Um, I know he's been, I know he's acted quite a bit actually. Um, he played a teacher in Perks of Being a Wallflower. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, that's right. I did see that. 
That's right. I do remember that. Um, that's actually a really good movie. I would love to talk about that at some point. Um, I remember seeing that movie for the first time, uh, probably a couple of years after it came out. And this was after I you know, saw Friday the 13th and Dawn of the Dead. Was it a weird? I just kind of flew back in my seat when he when he showed up. I'm like, "The fuck are you doing here, Tom?" (laughs) Isn't it kind of weird that like you know he's known for all of his horror stuff and he shows up in like this teen coming of age drama? Um, Honestly, like he's he's randomly showed up in kind of unlikely movies here and there, and I I think that's just what makes him cooler. I mean, that's kind of the thing, isn't it? Too like he he is gen- genuinely talented as a makeup effects artist. Oh, he's brilliant! Special effects, but you know, he's also like you put him in the right role. Like he actually is pretty good. Like he he's in Zach and Mary make a porno. Oh, that's right. He, I forgot about that. <laughs> I forgot about that. But no, uh, so like here then, like because he's part of the biker gang, right? And like, dude, I mean, I mean, I mean, the moment I saw him I show saw him show up in the movie, like two things ran in my head. One was like. Oh, Tom Savini's in this, and I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense that Tom Savini's in this. <laughs> and that, or yeah, so actually, uh, uh, so like I mentioned earlier, that uh, that was primarily a a real motorcycle gang, and pretty much all they needed convincing was, hey, you guys want to ride your motorcycles through through the mall? <laughs> and they're basically like, okay, be like, fuck yeah. <laughs> They get to like destroy shit in the mall and like grab steal shit from the mall. And, and again, then, like, like I can their... I can only imagine how wild it was to to film this movie, especially during during the biker scene because that mm-hmm. uh, that infamous scene where they start uh, throwing the pies in the faces of the zombies. That uh, that was pretty much just thought of on the spot. Like at that point, they were uh, I think Tom Savini went up to, to George Romero and he's just like, hey, you no, know, it'd be funny. And suggested that, and then George was just like, "All right, fuck it, let's shoot it." <laughs> and so that just on the spot, they just they just kept it in the movie. And like, yeah, you, you could debate if if it was necessary, but I think it's funny as fuck. Well, then, so let's go. Let's. I mean, believe me, we could talk about Tom Zavini and the biker gang all day. But like, let's not forget we have, of course, Ken Foray, um, and then uh, we have also the rest of the cast. And so, like. You know, you have you have Peter, who is this rough and tough, like seasoned cop. And then uh, he and then he's accompanied by Stephen Flyboy Andrews, played by David M.G. Uh, you got Scott Reniger. I don't want to mispronounce that last name. I'll just say you got no Scott Reiniger as Roger Trooper DeMarco. That's OK. We got this, man. We got this by the ass. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's my favorite line in the whole movie. <laughs> and then you got Galen Ross as Francine or Fran or Fly Girl. Um, they're all they've all kind of like through like a mutual acquaintances and the police and whatnot. And it's like they've all banded together and just kind of like, all right, well, let's get in a helicopter, escape from uh, Philadelphia. And so, but so when they get to, I remember before they land to get fuel. I always remember like when they're looking outside and like. Oh my god, it's everywhere. And so like you see like the, you see like um the National Guard or just the army with like random civilians with guns. I always kind of like chuckle a bit when you when I see like the um when I see like the civilians with guns just like, "All right, let's see. I'm going to get that." Right there. Yeah. <laughs> and then they just they're just casually killing zombies here and there. Um, and then at one point they just blow up a car 
with the zombies nearby. I'm like, all right. So they're having, they're definitely, there are some people who are definitely having some fun with this. Um, and then when they, and so of course the real, the real story really picks up when they get to the mall, of course. And, uh, you know, they really, they really take advantage of everything that's going on. And, um, I remember when they're, <laughs> I remember when, uh, they're going to block off the mall to prevent any zombies. in. I just remember freaking, uh, I just remember Rogers going a little too cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, I guess, if you will. Um, and he gets a little too crazy. And, um, and, uh, he, because of his, because of it, he ends up getting bitten in the process. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's an agonizing, like three days for him, I guess. But, uh, it's pretty, it gets pretty fucking dark at, at that point. Cause, um, so I remember, um, obviously, when you start at the beginning, this is where the consumerism really like picks in or whatnot. And like, I guess, so like they're totally taking advantage. It's like you said, they're in the mall. They have all the supplies and food. They can survive for quite a long time. So they basically like, I remember like the storage room or, or the, or the, yeah, the storage room that they take refuge in, in the mall at, at, at you know, it, at first it's like a little barren. It's not too fancy or whatnot. At some point it looks like a mini apartment to which I'm like, <laughs> that's fucking great. <laughs> like I totally would take advantage of the mall at that point. So yeah. Um, and I'll, get- honestly, I, I absolutely love the, uh, the montage of, you know, after they clear the zombies out of the mall mm-hmm. and they just start letting loose and having fun. Like they, uh, they just start trying on clothes. They start, they just start stealing money. Like just like, uh, just like Peter says, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, damn it, Peter, you're the best. <laughs> and, uh, of- no, sorry, go or, ahead. Oh yeah, and so then, uh, like, and then they just they just start doing random shit. Like Peter starts uh, filling up a bag of candy. Uh, uh, <laughs> fucking Roger, you know, like. Even though like he's he's about to to die, he's like having fun at the arcade. I mean, why not? He's like he knows he's not gonna last long, so he's like, eh, fuck it. I'm gonna have oh yeah, fun. and and so that's uh, and honestly, I like that moment of you know because you, it's been such a grim first half, and we've been following these characters ever since like the moment the movie begins, and so. And uh, what I what I also really appreciate is how we basically see the entire process of securing the mall, you know, getting getting inside, uh, you know, going going to the store to, for basic supplies and then closing off uh, certain sections, creating access points and then uh, killing the remaining zombies in the mall, disposing of the bodies. And then after all is said and done you're just able to kind of kick your feet back with them and just see them have a little bit of fun. And it really kind of releases the tension a little bit. And I think that's what really helps humanize these characters that, uh, because I I think all of them do a very good job in uh, performance wise. And I think that having these little moments to spend with them, uh, you know, just kind of bullshitting around that makes us root for them. Like to show that, you know, even even when things go go to shit, they can still have a little bit of fun. I mean, when you're when you're when society around you is pretty pretty much like gone to shit and you're trying to make the best out of the situation. Why not? 
of course, go go hang out in a mall. Why not? <laughs> I mean, you can you can definitely find worse places out there. Um, uh, but yeah, a mall is pretty great to be situated in because, like you said, there's all that food. And because at one point, like <laughs> Stephen and friend, they're going up the stair. They're they're going up the stairs, and uh, during uh, their shopping spree, hey, they've got groceries. Which I'm like, oh well, that's lovely. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the, um, going back to, going back to Peter or Ken Foray, um, obviously like Jeff said, a very probably, and like I said too, probably the best character in the movie, I would say he's, would it be fair to say he's the lead in this movie? Cause I think he is. Yeah, um, I, I'd say so. His introduction is pretty, pretty grim. Um, cause it's, cause we meet him when, uh, Roger and the rest of the SWAT are like raiding the the apartments and like Roger's gone through all this shit. Um, his, uh, like one of the guys he was trying to protect or whatnot pretty much shoots himself in the head off screen. Cause he can't deal with the torture and horror of seeing all these zombies, but, um, they go to, uh, he runs into him. Um, there's a, the pre they encounter a priest who tells him like, don't go down there, man. Don't go down there. Don't go down there. Um, and then, uh, and then, uh, they, they go down to the basement and they see like all these zombies that are just feeding on remains of, uh, dead tenants. And, uh, and, um, I, I'm, I, I hate to butcher the line, but like Roger's just kind of like asking the kind of the question, like, why do they keep them down here? And I, and Peter's just like, cause they don't want to bury their dead or whatnot, or they refuse to accept, they want to keep the dead you know, their loved ones, if you will. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what the line was, but like it, what, what's, what Peter said was just like, yeah, I can understand why people would do that because it's pretty fucking messed up if you, if you really think about it. But, um, and then when we definitely, when we definitely get to the mall, he definitely lightens up quite a bit. Cause you know, you get that great, excellent line that, um, that Jeff uh, said earlier when like they get money from the bank, he's like, you never know <laughs> because yeah, you never know if money is going to, I mean, probably money, money's not going to be probably going to be accepted in a post apocalyptic world, but Hey, you never know. It, there could be some value in there of some sort, but uh, yeah, he definitely lines up. And then it's once the, I would say once, I would say once Roger dies and once the bikers break in and bring the zombies back in that like his life is kind of like broken and he realizes like, Oh, well, you know, it sucks that we have to leave this little sanctuary of ours, even though he kind of knows that like it was inevitable at that point. So, um, it rem- so it leads to obviously Steven, unfortunately gets mauled and he turns Peter ends up having to shoot him in the forehead. By the way, know. that uh, probably my my favorite shot in uh, in the movie is when uh, is when the elevator opens up to uh, and that when all the zombies just kind of lunge towards the camera, and then start mauling at at Steven. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, and actually, uh, who's the actor who played Steven? Uh, uh, it was uh, Dan- David. David MG, yeah. David MG. When he turns, his body language as the zombie is fucking terrific. The way 
he the way he's dragging one of his feet the way that he's dangling the the gun with one finger his uh it's one of those things that you really just have to watch uh just the way that he he walks in this very stiff manner he he did a fucking incredible job as a of playing that zombie because a lot of the extras you know are just kind of kind of walking around which you know I, I don't fault them at all they were all pretty much just locals and they uh so i think i think this was filmed outside of uh pennsylvania i want to say and they uh and i think uh, george romero is from there and so he was basically like uh being the the local filmmaker and everyone wanted to come out and be be zombies so i think it's also part of the charm of this movie is that it was really uh it was really backed by the community that it was it was filmed in and i i i always thought that was a really cool aspect of it and um yeah man and i did you think um did you think uh, ken foray was gonna die i did i kind of did but then he's like he, yeah, he was. He's just gonna be like, he's probably gonna. He looked like he was gonna kill himself, and then he realizes, yeah, fuck it, bam, bam, Pu- punch a bitch here, punch a bitch there, get up the stairs, as soon as get the ladder. As soon as the music kicked in, I just immediately started thinking, God, I want to add the Re- the Remo Williams theme to this. Because <laughs> like. Go like, listen, uh, go listen, go listen to our uh, Remo Williams episode. That movie's a fucking masterpiece. Because what I remember during that whole bit, um, during that whole bit of like uh, Ken Foray escaping, was basically just like, you know, he's trying to make himself, he's trying to make Peter look like a badass. He's, you know, his uh, his kicking technique is not the best, but fuck it, it's it's a suspension of disbelief. He's going to kick a sh- he's going to kick the shit out of some zombies here and there punching some out of the way and uh, just gets on that helicopter. Uh, like <laughs> he like he forfeits his rifle so that one zombie um, doesn't get him. And then he just gets in the helicopter and they start flying away. But I'm like, and they're just like, um, um, how much fuel do we got? How much fuel do you reckon we have? None. Not a whole lot. Not much. Not much. All right. All right. I because and I I love the ambiguous nature of it. I do too. Yeah, I, I do too. Because you don't know, you don't know what's going to happen um, to them. But you know that's kind of the that's kind of th- that's kind of the thing, isn't it? I mean, like, sure they've gotten away, but who knows how long they've got left? Because like, I I kind of I kind of thought that like maybe Ken Foray. Um, without realizing it like peter without realizing it got, actually got bitten we just don't see it happen so like there there is that thought in the in the back of my mind that like did he actually did he actually get bitten and like is it possible he's going to try and infect fran at some point but i don't think so i mean you want to think he escaped there pretty clean and whatnot but yeah it's like it's it's unfortunate how they have to leave they're kind of their paradise, if you will, because, you know, the rest of the world, the rest of the world isn't too kind. And they just have to, you know, go and see what the post-apocalypse is going to bring because, you know, it sounds like the rest of the world is 
gone to shit at that point. Uh, which brings me to my point then. So then um, this movie, we mentioned it earlier that this movie is very much uh, a satirical portrayal of consumerism for the un- uh, for the people who don't know what the hell we're talking about. Basically, they're talking about the fact that how basic, um, at least this is my interpretation, at least how and you feel free to chime in on this too, but I would say just the way that um, they take advantage of what they've gotten and they don't realize, I guess, how much good they've got it until it's been taken away, I guess. I'm not too sure. Do you have any input? Not really. <laughs> Damn. Pretty much how I saw it too. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I I'm pretty sure I'm butchering what I've been getting out there, but I think that's that's kind of the the ballpark idea in terms of that um, thought process. But yeah, it's just kind of it's kind of I mean it 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 looked like I loved their I loved right before it all ended for them and they had to escape how like their little um, sanctuary looked because like it's a, it said it started from uh, looking like a few boxes here and there boxes here and there to looking like a little mini apartment i'm like oh that's cute i love this so um yeah it, it's sad to see that they had to leave it behind but you know in a like i said in a world that um doesn't allow in a new post-apocalyptic world that doesn't allow for them to have those values they kind of just have to learn to live and exist with it um so thanks a lot to the fucking bikers for ruining that shit but it did lead to it did lead to some excellent uh kills and some pretty awesome uh cheap thrills i guess if you will with the bikers just driving through that freaking mall um grand time grand time indeed so i mean it's funny how it's funny how you and i are speaking highly of it in retrospect and i started this saying that like this movie was boring but i guess talking about it has actually made me appreciate this which is odd. Um, I guess maybe not odd, but just I, I, that's good that I can appreciate this in af- in the aftermath because because this generally is 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 good. It's just um, it sucks that my first viewing of this was dull. So I look forward to seeing what how I feel about future uh, yeah, visits uh, if I ever go back. It's definitely one of those movies that uh, you know once you know what to expect. It, uh, it, it grows on you. It really does. And, um, and so what I think overall is just really impressive about what George Romero was able to do with this film is, you know, Nine Living Dead comes out, he shocks the world. And 10 years after the fact, you know, he, uh, cause he's kind of sort of branching off doing, uh, doing other, other films in different genres, uh, mm-hmm. before Dawn of the Dead. And so with his return to the genre, he, he basically made lightning strike twice, which is extraordinarily rare. And pretty much when it comes to his first three batch of uh, batch of zombie movies, if you ask horror fans, which one's their favorite, you're going to always hear rapid or very different responses, but every response they give 
you kind of understand exactly where they're coming from. Like if someone says, oh, Day of the Dead's my favorite. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can understand that. Night of the Living Dead's my favorite. Yeah, I totally get that. Dawn of the Dead. Yep, totally fucking get it. And so, and uh, and actually, I, I will defend a, a Land of the Dead. Uh, I think Land of the Dead's a pretty, a pretty good one. Which Dark is of- the one, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, interrupt, but which is the one with Rom- by Romero where like um, they try to teach the zombie to like um function or whatnot or oh, yeah function a, or whatnot that's a, a day of the dead it is day of the dead i just remember the i just remember the way the villain like <clears throat> is viciously just ripped open um and just the zombie is just like standing there and just what waves at him or whatnot i don't remember salutes him <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was great <laughs> yeah oh day of the dead's fucking nasty <laughs> So then, so then, obviously, we mentioned it earlier that this movie was remade by Zack Snyder in two thousand four. Um, and oddly enough, that's a movie I did not. I that was written also by James Gunn of all people, which was like interesting combo. Um, so I mean, I'd be, I be, I if you if anyone's wondering how I feel about um about the remake, it's I I have to say, sorry, I haven't seen it so. Um, I def I'm sure we could probably talk about it at some point, but I know you've seen the remake. So without like really spoiling anything, is it, is it, is it okay remake? Is it, is it okay on itself or is it? Yeah, I think it, um, the remake does just enough to create its own identity. And, uh, if someone said that they enjoyed the remake, I think there's plenty, uh, plenty to to like about it and uh yeah i I wouldn't fault anyone for for liking the remake more uh for me i always kind of stick to the original because you know even if the if the remake does a few things considerably better than the original the groundwork was still laid out by that original film with much more restrictions and uh and technical limitations so i kind of always have more respect for for the original over over remakes but that that's just me okay all right i mean i'd be down to see the remake at some point um just to get an idea of what it's like but yeah i'm definitely down to check it out yeah absolutely um but yeah no i mean i'm also curious to see more of uh romero's movies at a later point too because it definitely they're definitely add some sort of commentary, I guess, if you will, too. Especially this one. I, I don't know much about what the commentary would be for um, Night of the Living Dead, but I definitely think that this movie definitely has something to say in terms of its consumerism and how yeah, I think uh, I think with, uh, with Night of the Living Dead, that's widely available. You know, because, mm-hmm. again, it, it is public domain, and I, I believe... Uh, Day of the Dead is on Shutter. I'm not sure about Dawn of the Dead. And actually, kind of a kind of a shocking thing right now is uh, Dawn of the Dead. One of the most famous and influential horror films of all time is currently not in print hmm. in, in in the U.S. The last release, I believe, was uh, uh, was the copy that I have, which was a uh, uh, a Blu-ray from Anchor Bay. And 
that was back in 2007, I believe. And that's, that's been out of print for quite a long time. So yeah, tracking down a physical copy of one of the most famous horror films of all time is uh, a little tricky right now. I imagine Scream Factory or Arrow Video will pick up the rights at some point because a movie this influential needs to stay in circulation. Mm-hmm. You know, like if there's so many obscure, schlocky horror films that are getting these deluxe treatments from Scream Factory and Arrow, why the fuck would you not do that for something as impact as impactful and respected as Dawn of the Dead? For all I know, there could be some licensing and rights issues that just aren't publicly known right now. But I hope at some point it comes back in, in circulation because it's one of those movies that, you know, every generation of horror fans needs to needs to watch to really get an understanding for how for how like all the essentials of the genre came to came to be i have nothing further to add on that part (laughs) um so yeah uh well that was our little look at uh dawn of the dead the original version from 1978 and yeah it's pretty much a guarantee that we will talk about dawn of the dead the remake by Zack snyder um when though i do not know i don't fucking Um, know but it's not, unfortunately, just a, uh, just a, sp- not really a spoiler, but just a, I, I do have to break a few hearts here, but unfortunately, it's not part of the lineup for Horror Month, but at some point, we will get to it. But until then, folks, that's going to do it, of course, for this fine installment of Two Nerdskis in a Podcast. So please, uh, as a friendly reminder, to please follow the official Instagram page. That's at TNAPcast. That's T. N-A-A-P-C-A-S-T. Be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, like and comment on the videos, and also be sure to um, leave comments, I mean, leave suggestions in the comments for any future installments. And of course, uh, we're currently on Apple and Spotify if you're wanting to listen to the show. So from all of us here, of course, as always, Horror Month will continue. Until then, uh, this is Eric. And this is Jeff. And please stay shiny, everybody. Have a good one. Next level. Next level. Next level. Next level.